is a magical operation of maximum importance. The initiation of a new Aeon. When it becomes necessary to utter a word, the whole planet must be bathed in blood. Ah yes, welcome to Dead House Whispers. <laughs> We've got a special guest today, don't we? Yes, we do. Do, do you want to do you want to do it? <laughs> None other than the man, the myth, the legend, Dennis Dyack. Ta-da! <laughs> You're too kind, thanks. Eh? Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us, Dennis. First question that we need to get out of the way to do a little bit of housekeeping. If anyone has not heard of it by now, if anyone that is just finding this on Spotify later, maybe this pops up in your YouTube feed because I've somehow managed to game the algorithm. Dennis, to anyone who has no idea, what is Dead House Sonata? Uh, Dead House Sonata is a narrative-driven action RPG where you play the undead fighting the living. So you play uh, vampires, revenants, ghouls, banshees, uh, you know, seven classes that we have all together. Um, it is a spiritual successor to Blood Omen Legacy of Cain uh, in the sense, uh, and where it's most closest is you're going to have a lot of narrative, again, a ton of stuff. There's obviously vampires in it. There's going to be a very detailed story. But more than anything else, we're really uh, approaching uh, the medium from a, a sort of dominant perspective. And what I mean by that is if you look at Blood Omen, when we created Blood Omen, we took advantage of the PS1, where for the first time ever in video game history, they had this crazy new technology called a CD-ROM that we could actually use all of voice. Um, and since that time, uh, the video industry has changed. Everything is starting to move to the cloud. So now the new medium is cloud-based. And so uh, we're taking advantage in every way of using the cloud. So persistent content, um, you can uh, play the game single player or you can group with your friends. Um, we're going to be implementing uh, and uh, really for uh, like really forwarding the idea of user generated content uh, where you'll be able to create and write your own stories. And um, we're also doing this crazy stuff called deep social media integration where we have partners like Genvid. Uh, where if you're watching something on a stream, uh, you'll be actually be actual you'll actually be able to join in on the game through Twitch or Facebook or whatever the stream is on, and participate in the game real time. So we've got all of these different angles going going in there and really uh, trying to uh, create this rich narrative and story uh, and things that people are used to me uh, creating. But now the medium that we're going to be focusing on is all the powerful things we can do with the cloud. And uh, just to be clear, we're not looking or trying uh, to stream the game via the cloud. <laughs> That's a whole different technology. I think that was something some people were worried about. And I was like, no, no, yeah. no, 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 don't. Yeah. We're not doing that. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah. Because I think, I think when people think of or hear it's a cloud-based thing, it's going to be cloud this, cloud that they automatically jump to you're streaming it from a cloud. It's going to like server-based kind of like, like, yeah. uh, gosh, what's that system? What's that thing? Game Google? streaming, essentially. Yeah, yeah, game streaming. Stadia. Streaming. Stadia, thank you. That's what, like Google Stadia. Like everything is running from a server on a cloud and it's streaming to your PC. So you can have like virtual machines that are super powerful, but it's still the, the, the negative... Uh, connotations of streaming there's going to be lag there's going to be like frame drops yada 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 so there's i think also that cloud, if you've had that, internet yeah that too if you're if your internet sucks mm -hmm. or if you're if you have you know if you don't have internet at all what are you going to do you're kind of screwed like like i don't know if there's an easier way to say we're using the cloud <laughs> to make it sound better but but i think from the general population that's that's what cloud-based is you know like, oh, my game is cloud-based. It's like a streaming game. It's going to be a streaming service 
I think it's, they, people thing. haven't caught up with the ideas of what the technology is yet because yeah. it's all so new and everything's been marching forward so fast. Like the beginning of anything like this that people understood was things like EverQuest and World of Warcraft because they're like the game is in the cloud, but it's not really. It's actually on your computer. You're only receiving yeah. small packets which update certain things in the game. The entire game is functionally running on your computer. Whereas in this way, there is kind of a tandem the game's running on servers, but it's on your computer, and there is communication between both for a persistent world. Sure. How would you describe how that works, Dennis? Because this is your area yeah, of expertise. It's, you know, yeah, it's definitely a server-client relationship. The, the difference here is um, there are things. So let me explain it this way: uh, we're going to have these. We're going to have the. We have this concept called ages, where uh, imagine we record all of the feats that people do while they play the game. So you're playing single player, you kill, uh, say, some boss for the first time, and um, that you're the first person to kill this boss, and it something significant happens. Well, we can store that so when other people uh, come, that the land is forever changed because of this you know, event. We could never do that back in the day when I was creating Legacy of Cain. I could only... Mm a story for you you would play it finish it you might be able to have agency and do it non-linearly but we couldn't have any type of persistence out there where uh the years are continually going on we have everything synced to a clock we're going to um though we had time of day in legacy of kane um imagine uh things uh that you can participate in and time goes on uh, during the game, whether you're playing it or not. These are the kind of things that I think are very interesting. And it will allow us to tell stories in ways that have never been told before. So that's kind of, um, I, I hope that makes sense. And I'm, I can't even remember the it original. Question, but... Don't worry. It was just asking basically that you summarized it very well. And shout out to Laser Frog, who raided with a party of 18. You absolute yeah. legend. Welcome, everyone. Uh, for anyone not familiar, although you should be, don't forget, deadhousesonada.com. Now, Dennis, we all know the stories. We've all, we've, You've been quizzed a thousand and one times in regards to the likes of Legacy of Cain. You know, where did the ideas come from? Where did the ideas for Eternal Darkness and stuff like that happen? What about yeah. now? Like, what's having an impact on you now? You're sitting down. You and the guys are working on Deadhouse Sonata. What are you playing or seeing that you're like, I really like this, or this has been really fun. I really like this experience and stuff. Doesn't have to be gameplay. It can be like anything, movies, books, anything. Um, this is gonna, <laughs> not a lot, uh, not a lot where I would say there hasn't, I, I guess, um, and I don't know if I'm, I'm getting too old or, or whatever, but, uh, so of course, let me talk about the things that I love. Malazan Book of the Fallen, fantastic book series, 10 book, uh, decology, some of the best stuff I've ever written, i written, ever read. Amazing. Amazing. Um, you know, a lot of good book series, um, TV and film, um, have what I would say, unfortunately, um, not been strong over the last five years. There's been a few, Sadly, good true. for sure. Yeah. Um, but nothing that inspired me when I was first like creating legacy of Kane. And, um, I think one of the main motivations for, uh, doing what we're doing, especially even in, seeing what's coming out in video games these days is trying to bring the voice back of games like eternal darkness legacy of Cain, and you often see these what i would say very well produced great spectacle triple a games with um essentially no soul at all and um unfortunately it's becoming the norm and i think what inspires me the most is to try to create a game that's outside of that space from the standpoint of um, we want to create a really deep story. And, um, you know, when we first started showing Dead House Sonata, you know, it was very apparent that when we showed it, um, we, were, we weren't sure even what to call it, but it was, a you know, an early prototype. And, um, 
we didn't know how to say it was an early prototype. I think we said pre-alpha on there, but that doesn't do anything. That's clearly people think the game's still going to launch in six months. Um, and <laughs> came to talk, tell people how how do we how do we get get out the story out there? So what I decided that we should do is start writing and dropping these chronicles so people could see the type of content we're thinking about it, even outside of the game. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Too many games are a mile wide and an inch deep. That That is completely <laughs> true. And so we, we want people to feel that they can lose themselves in this world. And um, that's what we're trying to create. Um, that feeling of losing track of time, being completely engaged, um, and um, they're just they're just games like this are not being made anymore. At least there's some in the indie scene, I guess. Um, and there's, but far and wide, I'm playing a lot of games. I always play games. I play games all the time. But really, they're distractions for you know just taking a break from. Uh, it's it's very hard to make videos, so I do that to take a break. So I didn't want that to come out too negatively. I'm really excited about Dune. I hope Dune is good. I am also excited about Dune. I really hope it's good. Crossing fingers. Crossing yeah, fingers. Some of the marketing scaring me a bit, but also the Foundation series as well that's coming out on Apple. I'm a huge Foundation fan. I forgot um, that was happening. Yeah. yeah, I'm not a big fan of the change they made. I'm very strict on... If it's not broke, don't fix it. And yes, I don't know if you guys very this, much so. Yeah, they're cloning. Uh, the royal family are basically, you know, uh, of the main planet in the so that so because uh, because the story goes over like thousands of years, they they wanted to be able to tell the story so people could recognize the figures. So they're cloning them. So it's always the same person who's running the empire, mm -hmm. the galactic empire, and it's like. I think people are smart enough to figure it out, you know, but that was, so I don't like that change. Um, but you know, whatever, we'll have to see that too. I'm, I'm hopeful that that's good. It looks like it's going to be pretty good. Um, time will tell. Um, but I, I, if anyone has anything they recommend, I'm, I'm always interested, um, reading a ton right now, anything you got to swim in a pool of content. Right. And, True. um, and you just immerse yourself in whatever you can and to, to make yep. it as good as you can. So, oh, oh no, I fell. Someone fell. lost the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> Broken gravity. But yeah, no, you're right, Dennis. You need to keep trying with like a lot of different stuff to be able to test yeah. out because like you can see that in the influence in a lot of the games you've worked on over the years. It's like varying influences across everything. Like at the beginning, I don't think many people would have expected to find, for example, Elder Futhark in a gothic vampire game. Like that seems completely out of left field, but nowadays it's like, well, of course it's written in Futhark. Like what else would it be? You know, it's like I, these different things pulled out of the side field that no one would have expected. Exactly. You know, it's so funny when, when, so when I put the Futhark in Kane, <clears throat> I, I didn't really think anything of it. And I thought it was very common to me. And then I realized very quickly that in the video game industry, not a lot of people knew about the Futhark ruins. And a matter of fact, no one at Crystal Dynamics that we were working with, they didn't know what it was. They had no idea. Um, and they were like asking me questions. And when I created the map, like, what does this say? Can you translate it all for us? And I'm like, I can, but it's I could, I could well, work with it so much. I could just read it like on the fly. I didn't need the translator. <laughs> yeah. And so sim similarly, interestingly, uh, what we're doing at Dead House um, is we're going to try some proto-Indo-European um, and for, for those who are unaware what that is, um, it is uh, the very basis of all Western languages, as far as we know, or maybe yeah. most languages in the world, period. Um, it was actually in the movie Prometheus. That's what they used to get yeah. to, to uh, speak to the engineers. And um, it's really cool. Um, we're going to have a we're going to be talking about a segment about that on our streams in the future. But that's going to help us do kind of a system like that's kind of half eternal darkness and half legacy of Kane for the spell systems. So that's going to be really cool. I'm interested to see how people react to that. So I'm stoked for that system. I'm yeah, it's going to be that's going to manifest. It's going to be interesting. I remember I didn't know I thought the whole 
Futhark was like a made-up language in Blood Omen. I was like, okay, this is cool. I didn't even know this was a thing. And then it's real. Oh, okay. I blame Dennis for people having to sit and pull up all, because if you like look up Elder Futhark or Futhark Alphabet, it's actually the the thing from Blood Omen that has the translation. That's like one of the first things. I would love the numbers of how many people had to pull that up to be able to translate what's written on the god of war map for the special edition or on the back of the box and stuff because ah, right. i know that where there. that came from you can't hide it from us europeans we know yeah. <laughs> but that's why think about this right dennis and co are going to shoehorn pie into this and then 10 years down the line, that's going to be the ancient language in the video games. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll happen. Hope so. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, what's, what's more, what, what I really hope for is that people really enjoy the system and it sounds really cool. So. That says Pi is the very basis as it is, as far as I know, and my linguistic lecturers, is it all based on the projection of what we think it would be like? Hmm. Correct. Very interesting. All I know is what I've been looking up online about it. Like we done some of that in history class. Never got into it too deep because, like, when you're going over the whole history of Europe, it's not like uh, where they where they spend a whole summer in America and they just cover like American history where you've only got a few hundred years. You have to like, okay, let's start in the Stone Age, <laughs> you know, and then you go through. This is the Neolithic period, you know. Go through yeah. holy ah. You know, so we have to go through quite a lot of that. So, like, we skimmed through a lot of this stuff. I do know that it is the very cornerstone of pretty much all Germanic languages. Even Germanic languages still have that kind of that that kind of pie feeling to them. Like, you can hear it in German. Uh, if you mm-hmm. hear three people, two or three people having conversational Irish, which you, you in very rare places you'll find that. But when you hear that, you get that same kind of feeling from it. So I'm really dying to see how that manifests with the magic. That's going to be really cool. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the goal the goal is we want it to be a little bit. Well, we want it to be uh, musical, um, and so it's going to be. So we're we're Eternal Darkness was very much, boom, 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 you know, and that was I don't know if you guys know this, but that was based off my master's thesis. I wrote some neural networking that would break down voice recognition and how you had to do it was look at phonemes and break them down. So I got the idea of this system because I was doing my master's well, thesis. That's the coolest thing ever. Oh yeah. 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 It's and so believe it or not, I made all the ruins up overnight and I I broke them down and then sort of made this phonetic language and I said, here's the spell system. And um <laughs> and I knew it would work because of all the work I had done within the neural networking stuff that I had done when I was doing my master's. And this time around, want to do kind of like that, but we also want to make it musical from the sense of, um, we want it to sound like a a chant, a very dark chant. And so it's going to be in Proto-Indo-European. It's going to sound, which sounds pretty crazy, actually. sounds really cool. And uh, we're working with uh, some musicians on that to develop the actual uh, phonetic languages and how the spell system is going to go together. And uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I, I, I hope people like it. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll be rolling that out uh, soon. Uh, we'll be having that stream soon. But yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting stuff. So oh, you've got that yeah. and I could totally picture like a lich with the hands out and you just hear that weird whispering musical chanting. Yeah. That'd be that and i want a redo of the start of like apocalypse studios when the new trailer for dead house you know the way dennis with the scroll opening up and you hear the whispers in the background but have it done in pie that would be really good idea it's a good idea we could certainly do that Um, that would that would be really fun yeah we could certainly do that for sure here i am thinking i was gonna ask you dennis um any any examples of like music or um styles that you're drawing from for this um like musical pie system spell system or something but then like you guys are going to stream that in a couple weeks anyway right (laughs) so it's like there goes my question um the only thing i thought of while you were talking about that was tibetan throat singing of course 
which is which is awesome. It's oh so good. Um, everyone, just go look up some Tibetan throat singing if you don't know what that is or if you've never heard it before. It's amazing. Um, yeah, was it the totem, wasn't it? Just, I think one of them. The, hmm? Yeah, the group, the group, and the type of music. I, I think it's some kind of folk. Um, I'm trying to look it up right now. Give me a second. Um, oh, man, there's another one. Uh, what are they called? They're a they're like a Norse or a, a Viking style yeah. band. Yeah, yep. you know and what I'm they talking do about, right? We're, yeah, we're thinking about the same. I think it's the Who. Yeah, there's one there that I know of the the Who H U. They're a Mongolian folk rock. Oh, that's the Mongolian. Yeah, yeah that's the yeah. Mongolian. That means people in. Um, that means people in Mongolian. Um, the uh, group that I'm thinking of is called. Hold on one second. Um, Halo. Yeah, it might be. It might be Halo. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, them. yeah, yeah. That's Really cool, and I think their 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 music is featured in uh, one of the games that's coming out. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, Brain Freeze, Hellblade, Senua, Hellblade. Yeah, Senua I wouldn't. Two. I wouldn't be surprised if they were in that. I figured. I thought they would be in a Witcher game by now. You know what I mean? No, yeah, not Slavic enough. Not Slavic <laughs> enough. No. Yeah, they're they're. I think they're really good, and um, I've been, and they have throat singing. They use throat singing. Uh, yeah they're awesome so, yeah yeah um throat singing yeah. seems to always be like in the norse places dennis so you've got like like the the what did they, the like the first peoples of canada you know the and then and then you go across mongolia you've got the russians you've got the the Finns and norwegians anyone up along that seems to have some type of cultural version of it yeah yeah it's very interesting well you know you know i love ancient history so as soon as you start talking and talking about things that uh, predate uh, pre dynastic uh, Egypt. I'm in, I'm in. Um, so <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, waiting for those that, secrets that, in Dead House. <laughs> yeah, that that's that stuff is certainly very interesting, and um, I love that stuff. It is mostly associated with Eastern chanting, uh, throat singing, but there is um, there are some Western versions of it, and I think it sounds just as cool. Uh, it is a little different, but overall, really good. Yeah, the that the who is uh i, I love that uh is wolf totem i think is yeah the biggest that's player. the one the wolf yeah. totem that's what i was trying yeah. to think I, was, I mixed up the band name and the thing i had to pull it up there because i have them on spotify it's just a glorious music yeah, yeah it's, it's very good freaking amazing it's great it's great <laughs> oh man and then just and then just it spans that's what i think i love about just making games or or the development of them because you know you start off with something and then you just just uh, uh, what's the, like ripples out into a million other things, you know, it's, it's just awesome. It's awesome. So that's like, why I look forward to the way, to way it's going to explore and the way how things, like you're saying there, you've got the ripple effect, the butterfly effect, and then the evolution over time. So like when you look at the lore, you've got pretty much all the bases of monsters covered within dead house. Like I have the thing up here as it's scrolling through, like you've got a fair amount of the cultures covered in regards to like ghoul, vampire, yeah. revenant. So you've got ghoul for like the, the New World Americas, you've got skinwalkers, you've got things like that. Vampire, very European, even though technically Eastern in origin. You've got revenant, the revenge spirit, that's very middle European. You've got the race, that's actually like across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, Banshee, there's your Celtic covered. You've got the Lich, that's pretty much a lot of like African and South American type thing with like uh, the witches, shamans in that regard. But once you expand on to Deadhouse and you're going into the other ones, and now the only other one Dennis has completely confirmed is Giga House, but there you've got giants. You're going to have a whole different world of culture with all the different types of giants and then every other house that comes along. There's the yep, opportunity right. to delve deep into these rich cultural histories, backgrounds, superstitions, mythologies. That's I think that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I, 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 I'm very excited about that as well. And actually, the medium, the medium itself, and the way that we're doing this, and I alluded to it before. Um, we're this whole genre of being persistent and online allows us to continue to develop the game uh, while we're getting feedback and allow all these other avenues of uh, agency for gamers. A lot of people are calling it meta content now, which is true. It is meta because it's beyond the game. Um, but I to do all this at once, 
would be like the biggest budget ever. People would call it insane, but to say, no, we want to get there in nine or 10 years when we start showing all these different houses. And, you know, when Giga House comes in, like that's, that's when we introduce PVP, when we start introducing like uh, other houses, like House of Angels or whatever the houses are going to be, um, that is, um, that's just becomes a regular cycle of development, but there'll be new classes to play new storylines, all kinds of fun stuff. And really, um, you know, the driving factor here is we're doing it because it's what we'd want to play ourselves. So, yeah. That's that's what I can't wait for, especially with the idea of PvP, because everyone's already, it's like they've started talking about that. That's way down the line, guys. But it's going to be interesting when it comes because you're going to have everyone already stacked in Deadhouse and you're going to get a weird ripple so you're going to have a minor divide within the community. You're going to have the people that want to stay loyal to their player characters within Deadhouse. And you're going to have the people that are either new come along or want to change and want to roll with the House of the Giants. And then purely for PvP aspect, along with the story. And I think that's incredible. And the way you guys have done stuff so far, even with building the background, there's so much lore there. There's a whole world that I really can't wait to see how this plays out in-game story-wise it's going to be amazing because like as you said wanting to bring the story back bring that feeling back i distinctly yeah. remember and me and calypso have talked about this in the past like when your first time years ago going through legacy of kane i blasted through many games over the years everything on the mega drive and going forward then onto like the playstation and stuff like that you played through the game there was a cool story it was kind of like watching a cartoon or something it didn't have anything to it they were just like fun chunks sonic the hedgehog prime example there's an overlying story but you're there for the speed you kill the enemies you get to the, get to the end of the level get your bonuses and whatnot Going through RPGs on PC started to mean something a little bit different. And then I came across Blood Omen. And that was the first time I'd ever played something like that on a console. And the story, like the game played top down Zelda dungeon. Okay, but the story was relevant. You were following it all along more like a novel than a book because it was in depth to the characters, to the world. And then spoilers for anyone, uh, it, you should have it done by now. But like when yeah. you got well, to the end of the game and game. had to make that choice, I was like, shit. Huh. And I was it was a legit question for me. Which one do I pick? You know, yeah. I hadn't had a game do that to me before. It's kind of like, oh, will we get to go to the bad ending. Who gives a shit? Pick one. You know, <laughs> but that when you're like, will I fuck everyone over or should I save the place? You know, it's like it was a legit question. And it was it was yeah. wild, and that that was the start to me falling in love with the story in games rather than just breezing through things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Calypso. Uh, sorry. Um, no, I mean Mike's right. It's like there was definitely a point in gaming where the arcade experience transitioned to something different, and it wasn't you know just an arcade experience like. You had Doom and everything revolutionizing the first-person shooter and basically creating the genre in the first place, right? And then you have Blood Omen and stuff come along, and then all these other games. Like It was like a, a perfect lineup of like Blood Omen and a billion other games after it where narrative um, and gameplay were succinct together, and it made like a almost like a golden egg of a video game. And it has continued now, and now we have games where narrative is everything and gameplay is like backseat or or it, the the narrative game um is like a genre in itself you know and i think blood omen was definitely a uh, a kickoff for that point that was definitely the, the start of it on consoles anyway yeah i don't oh, yeah. remember playing any game that had as much lore at that point in time on pc they had things but consoles that didn't exist at the time crap back in that time when, when you were just jumping over onto the playstation the playstation was awful guilty of this especially the ps2 but pre that there was some crap churned out like at the end of the life cycle for the Mega drive and the super nintendo there was mass garbage churned out and it was hard to tell it was it was getting really hard to tell like you've seen so many reviews for games pre-internet so you're relying on magazines Again, you learned a lesson back in those days, but for anyone oh, man, else, yeah. they're learning it again now. You can't trust the reviews. 
it could have been complete mm. garbage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's interesting. You, you guys see it that way. Cause I, I see it of course, from inside the industry and <laughs> what's now happening is we've gone from, you know, where those kind of games were possible and profitable to now 90% of all global, global gaming revenue is in the free to play space. So um, the industry's changed a lot since then. And um, so really it's coming down to, are we going to start telling narrative and creating narrative games in the space? Are we just going to let it die? And uh, so I'm from that perspective, I I certainly don't want to see story die. And I, because I have a computer science background and I, uh, I understand technology, I think fairly well, you know, I don't, don't claim to there's certainly a lot of people who know technology better than I do but really I, I feel it's both as a, a creator and trying to create something that I like I think it's incumbent upon us to try to bring back those kind of games because you can kind of see them trying to sneak out they'll do things like oh here's a dark vampire game and it's you know you're gonna be um, I don't know, it's a survival game where you got to build stuff. And it's just like, um, what we're trying to do is try trying to tell a story from an anthropological level that goes back like tens and 20,000 years. And I think that's where Malazan Book of the Fallen has been so influential for me. And um, I think that to have such a deep impact um, on the player it's got to be more thoughtful now. And I think when you look at TV series and, and movies, and I think where they've really started to go downhill is um, is basically, sorry, I've got people messing. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, uh, where it's really started to go downhill is they fo- followed, you know, the three act uh, structure so closely mm-hmm. that within 10 minutes of a movie, I, I know the ending. You can just, you'd be like, they're running off that same old beat sheet. It's the same. It's the same all the time. And I hated it back in the days of blood omen. And now it's even more prolific, uh, these days. And, um, you know, I certainly think, you know, the pandemic has made things worse. Um, and there's, I just want to do something that's outside of that square. And don't get me wrong, I think there's all kinds of great, fantastic things with that structure. And Aristotle's Poetics is uh, very, very good. Um, but um, I also think the way Tolkien builds worlds and, you know, this kind of, um, sorry, I'm going to turn this off. Um, uh, the, the bottom line is um, that these kind of stories need to be told, and they're not being told right now. So... And that's uh, that's what we're trying to do with that house. So. That's very true because you take a look at the way things have gone lately. They haven't even they're not even copying new stuff. It's just got back to remaking everything old. Oh, it's yeah. like, so they're admitting that the last stuff was better. How about you give some of the new guys a chance to you know instead of like reviving and beating that old dead horse? And like you said, Dennis, at the start there when you're talking about like narrative in free to play. 10 years ago, people would have said free-to-play is a stupid idea. It'll never work. Mm-hmm. Take a look at Warframe. Take a look at Genshin Impact. So then they're telling you now, and they're saying it's like, oh, narrative and free-to-play. You can't do that, can you? Every time they there, keep there saying are, you can't. <laughs> yeah, there, there are still a lot of people in the development community and in the publishing community that want to try to hang on to that premium model. And all this stuff you're seeing with DLC and these uh, season passes are efforts to try to transition into this model, but uh, there are economic reasons where premium games will not survive. They can't. And um, they will be kind of like the vinyl industry is today for music. Like it's out there and it's not going to go away entirely, but as far as mainstream goes, unfortunately, uh, the realities in the economics of free-to-play games, you can't beat them because essentially what you're allowing people to do is play the game for free, see if you like it, and if you like it, invest in it. That is the uh, the, the most superior model 
for not only the developer, for us, so we don't have to try to release the whole game at once. We'll build it. We'll get feedback. But for the consumer, for the gamer, uh, you can try it out. And if you like it, stick with it. If you don't, you leave. And um, all of these premium games that you know try to do pre-orders or try to do DLC and try to, uh, it just, it's not as good. Subscriptions are not as good either. No, um, that model is extinct. That's a yeah. That's a, a I think subscriptions idea. are slowly dying out. Well, even you know it's very interesting. So even subscription models, <laughs> I would say at the level of Netflix. So um, I think I think what Microsoft's trying to do is very interesting. It's still not as good as the free-to-play model because you're always paying money for the. the I, I know the Xbox subscriptions are really good. People really like them, but at the end of the day, you're still paying into that all the time. And whereas with a freemium or a free, a free to play game, I should say, not freemium, um, you pay when you want. If you don't have any money, you don't pay, you know, and I, I just think you can't beat that model. And, you know, it, it certainly came, you know, out of the East um, and it has exploded, but it's dominating every single market. Now it's dominating the PC market. It's, it's pretty much how all Korean ones are done, Dennis, isn't it? They're pretty much yeah, all. It, started, it actually started in Korea and was adapted by China, um, and then from there it just proliferated everywhere. And um, so, it, if you look at the economics behind it, you know some of these games that are not even being advertised are making way, way, way more money than, say, Call of Duty or yep. some of these huge games. And the reason that it's it doesn't it's deceptive because these companies do not market it in the same way. So they won't buy television ads. They don't care. What they will do is they will pay streamers to play the game. And go straight to your audience. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the <laughs> way they do it. So if you're, if you see a streamer out there, mo most of them are pretty good. They'll be like, Hey, Hey, I got paid to talk about this. They'll be like, Hey, I discovered this brand new game. It's like, <laughs> They're getting paid to stream it, which is fine. I think that's fine. That's economics and it's the way it should be, but that's the new marketing. So yeah. um, for all intents and purposes, uh, you don't see that in the AAA space. And, um, but it's it's coming. And I think you saw a little bit of it with, uh, what was that one game launched by EA where all the streamers were playing it for a while and then uh, it went away and the game just died. Um, it looked beautiful. It looked like it was a decent game. I never played it with the flying robots and stuff. Oh, Anthem. Anthem. Anthem right? yeah. I feel, oh, yeah. Mm. When, you, when you hear this backstory to Anthem, I feel so sad because there's there's an amazing, beautiful game in there somewhere covered in yeah. mires of crap and then the studio just having no faith in it after the fact. And yeah, I feel really it's, it's bad, bad for Anthem. So I, I haven't really played bad. it. I haven't played it, but I, I certainly watched it. And from a marketing perspective, they hit all the streamers up. They spent a lot of money. Um, but once again, which differentiates the free-to-play model from the AAA space, uh, spending a lot of money all at once is not how to win over this marketplace anymore. It's slow gains. And you know, in, in certainly our community, we haven't spent uh, virtually nothing on marketing so far. And you can tell our community is very small. Um, and we haven't done a lot of outreach with streamers or anything like that. You know, you guys who stream about us, it's because you like us. And we appreciate that. We love you guys. We we wouldn't be here without you. And um, the but the reality the reality is the new the new marketplace is if we're gonna spend money on marketing, it's gonna be on streamers with like, you know. Uh, like a lot of followers, but you do, I, I think you do that slowly. And what happened with Anthem, I think they probably spent like 10 or $20 million worth. And then for the longest time, I, everyone was yeah. playing Anthem on Twitch. It's all you could see. And then suddenly it disappeared because they didn't, they didn't like it enough. And so you really couldn't even get a few like big selling game ever. It's crazy. The numbers are amazing. And then psh, went away. Spo spoiler alert for anyone that doesn't pay attention to that. Uh, look at, the top streaming games on Twitch, and then notice when a new game just jumps into it for a week. You already know, most of you that are on Twitch, you could probably, with some fair accuracy, if it's not a launch day, guess the top 10 games and get about 80% accuracy, just based on numbers. So when you see something like that come in, you know there's a nice quiet hand externally kind of helping that along. 
But like, as you were talking with that, Dennis, about how like the, the premium or the AAA versions are not going to be able to go with this as well. I think the reason why this works so well is ease of access. So for example, Deadhouse is launched. I'm playing Deadhouse. I go to my buddy Calypso. Hey, dude, this really awesome game. Come play it with me. Oh, cool. Is it on Steam? How much? It's free. Really? Yeah, come, yeah, come jump in. Come play it's it with free. me, man. He comes in, he plays it. We have fun. We're playing it for a few hours in the evening. I'm like, dude, I got to go to bed. He's like, this is pretty cool. Hey, what's in the store there? I'd re- oh, man, that's some badass set of armor. Do you know something? Yeah, I'm going to pick that up. You know, that's where that goes. You know, no barrier or very low barrier to entry means far better for the customer. And they were more likely, as they've shown, if you give people enjoyment, they will feel compelled to want to support. Yeah, yeah. And there's no, um, which is very different. Like you get all this in, in the AAA space, you get all this marketing hype behind the game. And I, I our, our, my previous games like Blood Omen, um, Sony liked it, put it on the box. That was huge. It was very big. Um, and they did it because they liked the game, uh, not because... I had any kind of relationship with them. Certainly Crystal didn't either at the time, uh, nor did Activision. And um, and Eternal Darkness as well, The I would not say it had strong marketing whatsoever. It was sort of game first. And that's that's where Deadhouse is going to you know fall in naturally. It's just the way that we tend to make games. And um, hopefully the word of mouth will carry. Um, you know, we're, I, you know, I get it. You need to spend money on marketing. We, we haven't done that yet. This is not the right time. We're still too early. You know, we just switched engines. We're now on open 3d E which uh, open 3d engine, which I'm very excited about. You know, I'm, I'm working with the Linux foundation with Amazon and we're trying, trying to change that. There you have one of the biggest open source um, engines ever released. Uh, it's, there's your proof if anyone ever needed proof about whether it's paid advertising or not brand new engine best available at the moment completely free completely open source no coverage (laughs) yeah there certainly it was picked up a little bit of gdc but you don't even see streamers talking about it and there's 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 reasons for that and um, you know the engine's still early and uh it's 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 but it's it's very it's a very cool engine and it's, I think it's certainly going to change the way games are made. I, I think it's got a lot of potential for that, you know, um, but it, you know, it's still early, it's new and, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We're big believers. We're in hundred percent on it. And, um, but yeah, that's, that's uh, essentially the reality of the industry right now. And I, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just, you know, understanding what's happening out there and, you know, even, um, even this, like what we would call mid to even some small streamers, that's the way it's going. You know, people with a few thousand followers, um, the the marketing claws are getting in there. So, yep. um, and I it think it doesn't I take much to be an influencer these days. <laughs> influencer, that's right. I hate influencer. that word, but yeah. I came ac- hey, I came across this new game and it's really cool. Um, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Buy AirPods, but yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's not untrue in itself. They just came across it because someone put it in front of them and said, well, you stream yeah. with this. And so it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not, uh, it's not completely disingenuous, but it's, it's, it's also very different from the industry that it used to be. Like we used to look for, can we get the cover of this magazine? That used to be a big deal. Now it's like, no one even talks. Like I haven't heard, talk about getting a cover on a magazine in ages. And actually, I think that I was had a cover of a magazine a few months ago in, in Italy. Uh, oh, probably, I need to get a copy of that somehow. Yeah. I we, need to find Gil. Gil's in Italy. Yeah. We need to... Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And, um, you know, I spoke at a, I spoke at a conference there in, at Games Rome, and it's a really great community there. And uh, they started up a magazine and they – wanted to know if they could, you know, do a special on Deadhouse and put it on the cover. It's like, yeah, let's go for it. But, you know, that doesn't, I, I do that thing for fun. And we talk mm-hmm. about the concepts. And it's not really there to sell the game. And, um, and I, and I think, quite frankly, that's where we need a lot of help. 
Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm the best at marketing. Uh, I don't, I don't claim to be, we just want to make games. We want to make good games. And, you know, even, you know, even on our streams, it's development focused all the time. You know, there's very, and you know, Mike, even you were saying to me a long time, Dennis, you got to sell your swag more. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> That's what you need to sell. Chill, you need to chill. chill more. I'm not a good show. Don't worry. Dennis, don't worry. As you said, that's what this is about. And then yeah. when there's some playables, me, Calypso, and I can promise you most of that chat right there will do the shilling for you. Because yeah. that's what this is. I do well, think I hope, I, that would be awesome. So <laughs> I do think word of mouth is more important and it carries more. It definitely carries more than all the, you know, reviews on the planet for this game or that game. Yeah. You know, all the streamers streaming it like sure they have a billion viewers or whatever but like at the end of the day if someone's interested in something they'll be interested in it period like yeah um legacy of kane fans love love or hate deadhouse sonata or whatever they already know about it you know what i mean like word of mouth is definitely definitely carries more than than what it used to i think and it has more traction today just, than it did ever before yeah it's just how the word of mouth goes because yeah. like years ago i would have read gaming magazines and i laugh when dennis said that because i was thinking back the last few times i've been in a store i've only seen two gaming magazines in the past few years i think one is edge and the other is like the playstation magazine mm -hmm. and but like nowadays even sites even you look at youtube videos digital now I have bought more games based on Twitch streams or YouTube streams than yeah. I have by reading reviews now. Because if I, I see something somewhere, maybe an ad pops up on YouTube or something, I'm like, wonder what that's like. I won't go look at her YouTube review. The funny thing I'll do is I'll go straight onto Twitch. I'll find someone streaming it and go, hey, what do you think of this? You know, sell me on this. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this. Should I pick it up? They'll bluntly tell you, especially if it's not someone on the top. Go to someone on the bottom that's got like four or five mm -hmm. viewers. Go in there. Hey, what do you think of this game? They're like, it's crap. Or, oh, <laughs> this is amazing. You need to get this, dude. This is incredible. They'll give you blunt, direct feedback straight away. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting, you know, the legacy, I think um, the legacy of Kane community is kind of scarred. Um, <laughs> and, you know, certainly partially by Nosgoth and not that Nosgoth was even a bad game. I think um, from a sense of multiplayer arena games, it was pretty good, actually. But the fact that they called it Nosgoth, the title in itself hints that it's going to talk about the narrative of Nosgoth and the story behind you know, Blood Omen and Legacy of Cain are, you know, and um, it just didn't, it didn't fit. It didn't, it wasn't what they wanted. And now every time I go to the Legacy of Cain community, I, I try to post once in a while, but it's just, um, and they're great. The people there are great, but there's just not a lot of traction because people just look at Nosgoth and like, oh, it's online, it's multiplayer. So I think I, I hope that we'll be able to show the way uh, that we're going to do this to give that group confidence that these kind of games can be made again. And because um, they certainly can be um, the problem, the problem with making these kind of games is you need someone who has creative control, who understands how important narrative is. And if you don't have that person, and and for me, I'm running the company, so um, that's there. And that was the same with Blood Omen, the same with Eternal Darkness. In a lot of companies, you can bring someone in who's a very well-known writer, but unless they have that kind of control, they're not going to influence the programmers to make things in a certain way. So the narrative has a chance to be, it doesn't even have to be dominant but it has to be completely intertwined with the gameplay and with the narrative, uh, sorry, with the artwork, with the game design, all of these things are super important in order. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that a lot of people don't really talk about. I think with legacy of Kane or eternal darkness is it's very hard to separate the narrative from the gameplay. It's very hard to separate it from the artwork because they're all uh, cohesive and they all complemented each other. And you'll see with, um, 
you'll see this. It takes a lot of time and it's really slow, which is why I hope all, <laughs> all the dead house fans are patient. Um, but in order to get that, you have, you write some stories, they influence the art group, they inf influence the programming group, they, they, and then that comes back and it influences the narrative and you get this, this really good cycle. 95% of all game companies right now will create their game and say, Hey, let's go over to this writer and let's write. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if it's George RR R. Martin or whoever's going to be writing the story, unless they're at the table with a position of this is how this game should be made. And people actually listen. They don't have to get their way all the time, but they need a seat at the table. Uh, it's just not, it's not going to happen. Well, that's just a reality. Very true. Like the idea of, and you, you, you can see this so openly with a lot of games companies, I'm not going to name names, but like, you know, they design a character, they have the characters done by the art department here, make the story. You know, they're like, well, what is this person? Think, oh, this is the grumpy guy. And this is the really angry woman. And this mm -hmm. is whatever. And then if you take that to Dead House, it would go the complete opposite of where, okay, where we're doing this is like, well, Nagaztak would never say that. Or Zoran wouldn't act like that. You know, they already, like the characters are fleshed out characters as the story is going along. And that plays into the mechanics as well. It's like, that seems a bit stupid for a vampire, isn't it? Maybe it should be this way, you know? Whereas other things you can see where stuff has been shoehorned in because there's certain checklists that need to be gone down or there's been things that happen. Well, this has to happen because X, Y, and Z, you know? And I yep. can totally see that. You can tell yeah. when a game you can tell when a game does their story like towards the end of development versus getting it all done at the beginning or having it set down when like it just feels very generic. Like the characters feel very cut and paste from this or that. Or, if you get bored during the story, they've done it wrong. During the story is a great example, also. Yeah, it was, uh. it was funny. It's funny. I was having a conversation with Jack. I don't know. We were out. I think. I think it was a few weeks ago. We went out. The weather was still nice. It's starting to get cool here in Niagara. But I was like, it. I think they're going to lock down again. So I was like, hey, let's go out, let's go out and let's grab some lunch while we still can. And uh, he was sitting back and he's like, wow, there's like a lot. I have to start making like a welcome package for all the content for Deadhouse that people have to read. So um, the Chronicles and stuff on the website, I think there's a lot compared to most gaming websites. We got a lot more. And, 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 and the conversation kind of went like, I don't think people, I don't think we're going to be able to get all this in the game. And I go, nope. And he's like, that's kind of cool because it doesn't matter, does it? And I go, no, it does not. We'll put in the good stuff and we'll maybe miss some good stuff. But um, this is uh, the way, the way I like to make things is just completely, you know, get that mosaic out there on narrative and just fill in as many gaps as we can. So when we're actually writing stories, uh, people know the history of this elder god and the history of this nation that goes back um, like Seven Sons and Twilight happens around 25,000 years before the foundation of Deadhouse. And um, the idea is there's all these histories and there's all these things that all come together. And it's, you know, when it comes to like a, say, a sequel to Eternal Darkness or a, a follow up to Legacy of Cain. I, we did all that, uh, and if, unfortunately for Legacy of Cain, none of it was never executed on. Uh, no one at Crystal knew any of that stuff, and um, but that that I think creates a rich environment. I think you can tell the games that do that, and I'm not saying we're alone in this. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of other. I think there are groups that do it, but it's the. It's, it's rare, though, Dennis. It's, it's very rare. rare. It's very rare. rare. Yeah. Like the fact that you have to do homework into games, I kind of like that. Not in the fact of like, oh, well, you have to like, there's certain games where like you pretty much have to play them as a second job. I don't mean needing to require spreadsheets and do all that, but the idea of that a world has lore and history behind it and all, again, Calypso is going to crucify me because I seem to have to quote this every stream, but mm -hmm. like take The Witcher, for example. I love the fact that there's a world there every time. I'm going to edit in a tick for each stream. Every time The Witcher is brought up, Bing. The Witcher and Warframe. The Witcher and Warframe, yeah. 
Yeah. But like the mind. fact that that's a world, like you play through the game, you don't have to read the books. You don't have to read the comics. You don't have to have anything to do with everything else. You can play the game and really enjoy the game, but you can read all the books. You can read the stuff and there's subtle little nods to everything all around. I love that in a game. It's not done often. Not anymore. Anyway. Well, they, they, they have the whole series to fall back on, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Pre-built long, long another, before. <laughs> yeah, which is another way to go. And yeah, it's, um, you know, certainly as well for us, and I think like The Witcher, uh, very influenced by Michael Moorcock. Uh, oh, very much. <laughs> very, very much, Elric. <laughs> uh, you can say um, what you want. Trust me, okay. huge fan of The Witcher, but it's it's... It's definitely Elric. I love, I love me, yeah, I love no, me I... the Witcher, but it's definitely Elric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Elric. Elric to me, that was the first dark fantasy that I read, and I it moved me so much uh, that I was like, when I create my stuff, I'm going to create it just like this because this kicks ass. And I remember, and it's no. I guess it's kind of a spoiler, but I, I won't say what it actually is. At the end of that series, I was so moved. I threw the book against the wall. I was like, how can you end the story like this? It's so grim. And then I was like, literally 10 minutes later, I said, that's the best ending I've ever read. In any <laughs> and that's, ever. that's why it is the best ending, because you got that reaction. Yep. You didn't mm -hmm. just close the book and go, right. that was fun. You, know, you had a reaction. When when we were when we were working on Eternal Darkness, um, I was in a meeting with everyone from Nintendo, and Mr. Miyamoto, um, a bunch, uh, Mr. Iwata, a bunch of other executives were in there, and we we're talking about um, the sanity effects. And uh, sorry, we'll answer that question in a second. Just bring it. Don't back worry, up. we'll get there. Don't worry. You can leave it up. Um, and um, we were sitting in there, and they were. Um, Basically, I was able to bring this Elric story back, but in a different way. Um, they were like, we don't know if we can do these sanity effects, Dennis, because, you know, we're talking specifically in this case, but all of them in general. The one where we slowly pretend we're deleting your save game from the card. And this is has some historical <laughs> importance because back then there were no auto saves. There's no hard drives on your console. You lost that still, save game. Still you the were best like, one. Still the best yeah. scare. Uh, yeah ever I, I remember i remember working on that saying make the make it go slower make that delete go and and mr miyamoto was like dennis what if they throw their console and this was on the fly what if they throw their console against the wall and i remembered the elric story and i was like well that might be the case he goes are we liable do we have to buy them a new machine because we made them do this we tricked them and i said that's a really good point and i said I don't know how many people are going to do that. And I would leave, it's up to you what you decide if you want to replace that machine or not. But I will tell you one thing, they will, if that happens, they will never forget that moment for the rest of their lives. True. And just like I never forgot that time when I read the Elric series with that ending where I threw the book against the wall, because I just love those characters so much. And I was just like, how can you do this? Michael Moorcock, what are you doing to me? I love this world and you destroyed it. And um, and it, that moment, which was literally on the fly, uh, was the make or break moment, the, the tipping point for the sanity effects. And that, you know, certainly Nintendo had the courage to go forward with them because no one had ever done anything like this before. Um, and I think it's moments like that that you want to try to capture and leave people with memories more than anything else. And that's what I'm, I, I guess I'm most proud of with say legacy again or eternal darkness is I have so many people coming up, up to me and say, do you remember this part? Do you remember this part? I love this part. And, and, and people still to this day talk about the bathtub scene in the eternal darkness as an example, or uh save game. That was my, that's my personal favorite sanity effect. Um, and, you know, with legacy of Cain, all the questions of all the lore and i remember when i saw the sort of i i guess nod to the colossus of Rhodes in game of thrones 
people like, oh, I've never, I've never, uh, never heard of the Colossus of Rhodes. And I was like, oh, I remember doing the pitch with Crystal because they had never heard of it either. And I was like, oh, it's one of the wonders of the world. And we're going to put this in the game to illustrate time travel. And like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but it's those sort of bits of history that and those moments that you remember. I, I think people remember like the battlefields in Kane or the, you know, the Colossus and those statues. And that's that's what we have to create with Deadhouse. We just that's the most important part. So anyway, back to that question. What was that question? Will we I was gonna say just before that, do you get to claim credit? Because I thought of Eternal Darkness the first time I played through Arkham Asylum. I was like, that, I was like, when the director, they done the save game thing. The director from Arkham Asylum said the most influential video game for that game was Eternal Darkness. Knew it. Arkham Asylum Knew is still it. my favorite out of the series. Like, yeah, yeah. The, best, game, the first one was the best. the best. The first one. Yeah, he said that he directly said that he was influenced heavily for Eternal Darkness on that. That's a fantastic nod, Dennis. That was a great Actual question for this. Are there any ideas for History Book of Molorum that we could physically buy? Yes, yes, we will be doing physical, um, all kinds of things. Necro Liberitas. I don't know how you do a history book of Malorum. There's like, like it, it, the story hasn't even begun and there's already thousands of years of history. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think I don't mind. Normally I have a problem with expanded media like universes for video games or movies or whatever because yeah. it just becomes so bloated. And like, I mean, just look at Star Wars, for example. Some really great gems out of the expanded universe in Star Wars, a lot of crap, right? So, but... I feel I don't know. I think I think if you guys were to do an expanded universe and you kept it kind of really contained and tight, like nice and tight, really, you know, just like if you've like, done it from each perspective, like yeah, you've done or ones something like that from you know, the perspective of where, Dead House, where and then like maybe this, other ones from the perspective of something. the Thacian Empire, you know? Yeah. If it's like this, but it's really deep, great. If it's like this, but there's a billion other things that I have to get through to understand this world, I'm 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 out. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. Of course sure. it's a it's a uh, hit I, and miss I, with expanded universe stuff. Yeah, we, for sure. Um and generally generally most of those are money grabs. Um mm -hmm. I don't think we would do that. Um, yeah, I mean, look at Dead and, Space. Like, I love Dead Space, but the expanded universe stuff is just so. There's just too much, and it's not even half. It's not even good, and yeah, yeah. it's just a big missed opportunity. It depends there. on how it's represented, because I've read a lot of like the comics and stuff like that for Dark Souls, for Bloodborne. I've even got some of the Warframe stuff, which I didn't even know exists. I was shocked when I seen like the dead stuff like that. But when done right, it adds so much flavor to the world around it. Yeah. But like you said, Dennis, as long as it's not a cash grab, if it's yeah. done intentionally with like, okay, so uh, we're going to start a new age in Dead House now this time. But to go along with that, we're going to do a prep story in a comic book or something like that. That's like it adds to it. It's not just here's more tash. Here's, you know, yeah. here's more crap to buy, you know. Yeah. It'll work yeah, really yeah. well. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think um, you you always want to do things like we work as developers. We work for gamers. And if you ever lose sight of that, things will go wrong. <laughs> they yeah. will go wrong. And um, and, you know, I've, I've I've been in the industry long enough where I've seen things go wrong. And, and we're, you know, building apocalypse from the ground up to really. Um, appropriately titled company. Uh, didn't know that in 2018. Uh, but I know now. <laughs> um, and the, I, you know, the whole idea of a, apocalypse is to, and, and the word is literally a translation of ancient Greek to show what's never been previously seen before, show the unknown. It's not the end of the world as people think. And what you can only do that by serving gamers. So, um, if you join the discord or you come in and interact with us, we're always taking the perspective of we work for you and uh, we'll always try to do our best. Uh, we don't know if we'll always succeed in giving you what you want or what you need, but we're going to try. And um, I think if most game 
development studios took on that approach, we'd have a lot better games in the industry right now. Um, and there are certainly some great gaming companies and there's some great games out there. Um, and, you know, from a perspective of, you know, you know, trying to make the industry better, that's, you know, certainly in the days of Silicon Knights, we wanted to be the knights in shining armor in the games industry. And I think now with Apocalypse, we're going to try to show something new. We're going to try to open people's eyes to things that they thought were impossible before. And, and from that perspective, I guess Nosgoth really helped us out in the Legacy of Kane community uh, because I think it, people really got their spirits dampered, dampened by that title. And it wasn't even a bad title. I, you know, I thought it was decent. But certainly um, it was positioned in the marketplace not appropriately, I think. I think that was probably the biggest mistake. It was the right game for the wrong time and certainly in the wrong franchise. It you know, very much was like it was one of the first free to play hero shooters, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's really big now. They were just way ahead of their time in the wrong direction. Well, they picked they picked the wrong IP. Yeah. You know, I think you know. I also think mismanagement had a lot to do with it on Square's Square's side, you know. But I mean that's another story for another time. Yeah. Um, oh jeez. Don't kill the microphone. I'm trying not to. Anyways, <laughs> I'll just hold it. So, I mean, um, I don't know. I don't think I had anything else to say. <laughs> Never mind. Um, other than that, um, I guess we're just going to wrap up now <laughs> in, a, in a terrible segue. Um, Let's do it so, again sometime. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for joining us, Dennis. Yeah, no, Dennis, um, you can never talk too much, yeah, sir. That's exactly. why everyone was here. That's why. I'm, yeah. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us, Dennis. Um, you've been a fantastic guest. Um, thanks for all your insight and info on today's episode of Deadhouse Whispers. Um, you can follow and check out anything Deadhouse Sonata related at deadhousesonata.com. You can also follow Deadhouse Sonata on Twitter and Instagram at Deadhouse Game. Um, obviously, catch the uh, Twitch streams for Deadhouse Sonata every like Wednesday, I believe is the Wednesday day. Wednesday, right? 4 p.m. Eastern. Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, you can follow me, Calypso, on Twitter at Necrolibriatus. If you Google anything or YouTube anything Deadhouse Sonata related, chances are you'll find my YouTube channel. And of course, you can follow Faceless Mike on Twitter uh, at The Faceless Mike, on Instagram at The Faceless Mike, and on Twitch uh, at twitch.tv slash Faceless Mike. Also, Faceless Mike, yeah. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. Um, this will be on Spotify later on and all the other uh, podcasty stuff. We'll be on the Deadhouse Whispers YouTube channel, which is new. We have that now also. We have Deadhouse Whispers YouTube. Go, Yay, go follow so that. follow it. Go follow it on yep. YouTube. This we moved it there. off my channel, and it got its own channel. Yep, this will be up there. <laughs> and, of course, uh, we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks for uh, watching, guys. See ya. See ya.